Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A Wall Street Journal op-ed. The headline is, the lead is, How the Climate Elite Spreads Misery. How the Climate Elite Spread Misery. And it's by Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, president of the Copenhagen Consensus Think Tank and visiting fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. His latest book, False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. Professor Lomborg was named by Time as one of the world's 100 most influential people. It's good to have him back on the program. You do cause a lot of problems for yourself. You do realize that, don't you? <laughs> uh, well, if speaking the truth is uh, causing problems, then I guess it's important to do so. It is important to do this. And, uh, you know, just in the last few weeks, and you've always, you've never said that AGW is, is non-existent. You've always agreed with anthropogenic global warming, human-induced climate change or global yes. warming. But you've said there's a different, there are different ways to approach it, and the way that it's being done by politicians and by bureaucrats at this particular time is what you disagree with. Dr. Lomborg, the words climate emergency are repeated over and over by national politicians in many parts of the world. They make it sound, to me anyway, as though there's a switch to be flipped which will perform the function of ending the emergency, much like calling 911 and seeing the police or fire services arrive, and it's over. But when you hear politician, when you hear politicians say climate emergency, with the backdrop of videos of wildfires, what do you hear? Well, I actually hear two things. So one is absolutely what you're saying. Uh, they're saying uh, your kids and your family and everything you love is in danger, but vote for us and we'll fix it. Uh, and of course, that's entirely wrong, uh, because even if most politicians do all of the stuff that they've promised, it will only fix a smaller part of climate change. But I think the second more important part of this equation is that they are telling you in the first place, this is a climate emergency, or as Biden and many others say, it's an existential crisis. This could literally wipe off humanity from the face of the earth. Remember, there's a new OECD study that just came out a couple of weeks ago that shows that 60% of all people in the OECD now believes that climate change is likely to lead to the extinction of the human race. So obviously, this is no longer, oh, it's a problem. It's the end of the world. And of course, if it's the end of the world, you're willing to let politicians do anything and it will have to cost as much as it needs to do. That's, of course, a wonderful place to be, but it's wrong. That's not what the UN climate panel is telling us. And also politicians don't actually have a great way to fix it right now. No. So when they say, and this is what you write in your op-ed, they, these are the uh, um, bureaucrats and politicians, they point to the current heat waves killing thousands across Europe as the latest reason to change our societies and economies radically by switching to renewables. Such arguments are misleading. What is the most fundamental thing that needs to be done? You've talked about this for many years. I remember right after, actually before and after COP two in 2015 in Paris, you spoke about what needs to be done. Would you please remind us, and if there are any changes to your position since 2015, Tell us that, please. What has to be done? Yes. So, so, Roy, as you just pointed out, there is no easy switch 
if you want to go down the route of most politicians, so Trudeau and everybody else in, in most rich countries that are basically saying, let's go net zero by lots and lots of uh, renewables, McKinsey estimate this will cost more than five trillion U.S. dollars every year for the next 30 years. That is about a trillion dollars for the European Union. It's more than a trillion dollars for America every year. This is a huge amount of money, much, much more than anyone is willing to spend. And this is money that will do fairly little because, remember, you might get rich Canadians and others uh, to do this. But the Chinese and the Indians and the Africans, the ones that will emit uh, about two thirds to three quarters of all emissions in the 21st century, are not uh, along because they, quite frankly, want to get their populations out of poverty and get them food and stuff. So we're trying to do something that not only will lead to rebellion from our uh, from our voters, but it's also not going to be followed by those that matter most. What we need to do is instead of trying to do dumb stuff that costs a lot and doesn't fix the problem, we should be investing in green energy research and development. That is innovation to get better green technology. That could be fusion or fission, you know, nuclear power. It could be solar with lots and lots of batteries. It could be lots of other things. But the point is we need to innovate these technologies so that they become so cheap that we can all afford them, and especially that China, India, and Africa will want to buy these. And we're not anywhere close to that right now, and we need to. This will be much cheaper than what we're doing right now, and it'll actually fix the problem. So, you know, again, let's get our cool hat on. Instead of being scared witless, let's do smart stuff to fix yeah. climate change. Yeah, one of your books is Cool It. Um, I, I think what they have to also do is remember to connect with people. It's it's fine to have a message. It's fine to have something you believe in and you really want to push it. But remember to connect with people. And you write, moreover, politicians' singular focus on climate change ignores that people are much more worried about rampant inflation, especially rising food and energy prices, and climate policies are making those problems worse. You don't, uh, you know, I keep asking this question, but I have to ask it again. You don't disagree that AGW is fact. You disagree with the approach that's taken by politicians around the world. Spend, 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 spend money. And, uh, you know, we talked about what they're doing. Why is nobody listening yeah. to what you're suggesting? Why isn't there, why isn't somebody say, hey, Lomborg's got an idea here? Well, if you get to spend a lot of money, uh, you obviously also get a lot of power. So in, oh, of any, in many ways, you could say that politi uh, politicians is about making sure that you allow them to spend a lot of your money. Uh, and if I come up with a really cheap plan to fix climate change, that means they can't be spending trillions, but just, you know, tens of billions. Uh, I understand why most people wouldn't want to do that. But, you know, just to give you a sense, uh, you just mentioned before uh, how everybody was talking about these heat waves. And, and look, there are, were real heat waves and heat waves are dangerous and you should be careful about them and you should drink a lot of water. You should have air conditioning, all that stuff. But we need to get a sense of proportion. First of all, if you think about heat waves and more heat deaths, that's absolutely true. As temperatures go up, we'll have more heat waves will probably see more people die from heat. But it also means fewer cold waves. And remember, almost everywhere on the planet, 
many more people die from cold than heat. So it's actually globally, it's estimated about half a million people die from heat, but four and a half million, so nine times more, four and a half million people die each year from cold. So what happens when temperatures go up is that you see uh, for, for the last 20 years, you've seen about uh, 116,000 extra heat deaths. But because temperatures have gone up and cold waves have gone down, you see 283,000 fewer cold deaths every year by now. So we're actually seeing fewer people dying, not more people. That's one part of it. But the other one is, what are the, what's their solution? They say, oh, my God, there are all these heat waves. We've got to cut carbon emissions. We've got to make energy much more expensive. That, of course, means that most people can't afford to keep cool in summer. They can't afford to run their air conditioner as much. And, of course, neither can they afford to keep their heater going in winter. So it's actually very likely, we know this from the U.S., for instance, when shale gas made energy much cheaper, it meant that a lot more people in the U.S. could keep their homes hot or warm in the winter. And that saved 11,000 people from dying every year. And obviously, the reverse is true too, as well. If you then make energy more expensive, you kill another 11,000 people. So that's how you spread this misery by, by spending vast amounts of money badly. You end up with really poor solutions. You don't actually fix the heat wave problems, but you do make it worse both for heat and for cold for most people. Yeah, serious situation in Europe. We'll be talking about that in the next hour. The European Commission is urging countries to cut back gas use in case Russia switches off the supply. Retail electricity prices for the EU households up 44% May of 22 versus May of 21. Netherlands up 167%. Netherlands also, Dr. Lomborg, as you well know and wrote about in uh, How climate, the Climate Elite Spread Misery, is the site of massive uh, farmer protests. We'll be speaking with a Netherlands member of parliament tomorrow about this. And it's pushback to, um, as you write, the environmental grandstanding, and that is cutting back on fertilizers and livestock. And farmers are saying, well, we won't be able to produce as much food, plus you'll put our farms out of business. Yeah. I mean, it fundamentally, it, it comes back to this idea of saying, you cannot just say, oh, I want to get rid of global warming without recognizing that there are many other things we want at the same time. If cutting back on carbon emissions means that you're going to end up making much more misery every, everywhere else, you'll have more people die from heat, you'll have more people die from cold, and all these other things, that's not necessarily a good thing. You need to make an, uh, you know, a, a balanced approach and actually prioritize these things. It's exactly the same thing in Holland. As, as you just mentioned, uh, uh, Parliament has said, we want to reduce uh, nitrogen, uh, uh, essentially depreciation or uh, pollution, you could call it, uh, to safeguard special bio uh, spheres. And that's, that's a nice thing. I think most of us would want that. But if it means that you're also going to put 40,000 farmers out of, out of commission, you're actually going to make uh, less food for a very hungry world, Maybe that's not the right priority. Again, this is something that we should be discussing honestly, and that's something that we can have a conversation about. But it's not what we're having a conversation about right now, because all the politicians are simply telling us it's an emergency. So you've got to let us do everything we want. Now, I, again, I get why they would like that, but we shouldn't let them. Let me just read a few lines from your op-ed. 
Policymakers need to recognize that they simply can't eliminate fossil fuels with current technologies. The world gets almost 80% of its energy from fossil fuels, and even if all the current climate policies were fully implemented, by mid-century, fossil fuels would still provide more than half of all the energy used worldwide, according to the International Energy Agency. You also write... Policymakers should focus on funding research to develop clean energy sources that are actually affordable and reliable. Some of these technologies are already in development. Greater funding could bring them to fruition more quickly and do a lot more to help limit emissions than the policies activists now hawk. Well, yeah, I don't want to be a cynic, but I'd say good luck with that. I mean, it makes sense to me. I'm reading your edit. I read the op-ed and I thought I have to talk to Dr. Lomborg about this. It makes absolute sense, but they're on a mission. And and look, my, my approach to the world is always, this is not about getting everything right. That would be so unlikely, as you just pointed out. But getting it a little less wrong would be really good, right? So if we can move it a little bit towards politicians don't waste quite as much of our money on poor and ineffective policies and a little more on the smart ones, maybe we'll actually leave this world slightly better. Yes, I would love everyone to be rational, but they're not. But it would be cool to be slightly less dumb. And that, I think, is, a, is an ambition that we can actually achieve. I want to go back to, in the minute we have left, something you've said many times in our conversations, and that is millions more people would be lifted out of poverty and they would have enough food to eat if we approach this differently. Yeah, fundamentally, it's about getting our priorities right and one of the most important things is lift people out of poverty. Then, of course, they can fix a lot of the problems themselves. They'll also worry more about global warming. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.